everyone. Welcome to Creepy Inquiries. A podcast dedicated to all things creepy, spoopy, and true crimey. With your hosts, Miss Kevin and Big Library, your friendly neighborhood queers. this oh my god everybody welcome this is let's get one thing out of the way this is episode 78 welcome everybody but more importantly we have a guest co-host today filling in Mm -hmm. for Edie, Mm -hmm. who we have just never heard from again they just have left didn't leave a note or nothing left the building never actually know where they are and we never Mm -mm. will no <laughs> but we got here today a good co-host that some of you might already know if you are listeners of the pod. Mm-hmm. Please introduce yourself, guest co-host. Uh, hi, I'm Big Library. I happen to live with Kevin. <laughs> roommates? They were roommates. really good roommates. Uh-huh. Best roommates. And I'm currently recording from directly a floor below Kevin. Um, <laughs> So yeah. Yay. Well, we're so excited you're library. here. You are legend on the you're podcast. Legendary. Referred you're to canonical. often. Yeah. Canonical yeah. to the podcast, of course. Oh my God. And mm-hmm. that's why we invited you to guest co-host. Not mm-hmm. at all other logistic reasons. Yeah, you live definitely. Mm-mm. Definitely not. Mm-mm. But yeah, we're so excited to have you here for episode 78. You have never done something like this before on a podcast. So how are you feeling at this very moment? Oh, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm like, Maj- you know, Majorly intimidated. I am. I am. Well, specifically <laughs> by you, miss. You're very, you're very intimidated. Um, oh, gosh, you flatter me. <laughs> <laughs> it's very uh, exciting to have you here. Indeed. And Edie will come back. Uh, if if listeners can recall the last episode, Edie's not being replaced here. This is temporary. <laughs> so Edie will be back starting next week for episode 79. Mm-hmm. They are out at their siblings' nuptials right now. And the, as this is episode 78 and Edie isn't here, I think I have to do some birthdays. So let's start it off. Mm. You can call her Miss Ross, Diana Ross, 78 years old. Happy birthday. All right. Happy birthday, indeed. Diva. Diva. Almost on the same level of iconic stature as Miss Ross. We got some Danny DeVito action. (laughs) Very similar. Very Very similar. similar. In stature and style. Danny DeVito, I love your work. (laughs) Problematic star and and fave of Arrested Development, uh, Jeffrey Tambor is Ooh, age seventy. Yeah, problem yeah. problematic yeah. fave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, an old co-host of mine too on whatever show he did after Arrested Development, but before Transparent. 
Mm-hmm. I cannot recall what it was. And then I got three more for us that are 78s. Okay. We have the legendary Patty LaBelle. <gasps> oh. oh, okay. All right. Mm. Diva. Mm. It's our diva episode. One of my favorite drag videos to watch is Bob the Drag Queen doing a rendition of Patty doing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. <laughs> it is the best. Oh the best. Uh-huh. The All right. Best. We'll have to. I will have to watch that after the show. <laughs> yes. I will send it to both of you. Please do. <laughs> and then our penultimate 78er. Uh, he's been bringing us SNL sketches for the last, what, 45 years? Lauren Michael. Oh. Happy birthday. Was that my, right. was that not a good Lauren? You both I look very really good. I have no Lauren idea Michaels. what he sounds like. I mean, I, I guess. He sounds like mean, an old man from New York. So like, yeah. yeah. I have okay, no fair idea. Enough. <laughs> fair enough. Edie's not here for your cultural references. I'm so sorry. I know. Edie would have gotten that. <laughs> I'm useless. <laughs> and at finally, future subject of the pod, uh, crazed billionaire Larry Ellison is. Oh, oh, yeah. oh boy! Oh boy! Yeah. Definitely future future episode. That guy is wackadoodle, like wackadoodle, wackadoo. Well, y'all, thanks thanks for filling in. You did so good. I was so nervous. You should have been, but you did great. What y'all do this weekend? Oh, well, we went to the most insane uh, neighborhood festival mm-hmm. yesterday. Oh, yes, mm-hmm. it's called Hunfest. Incredible! It's great. Hunfest. It's like beehives. Like it's sort of like mm-hmm. the hairspray sort of era. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. celebrating that. And the woman who runs it is insane, and is also <laughs> really right wing. Drag her, drag her, <laughs> and decided to try and uninvite. Planned Parenthood from Oh. Oh, is uh-huh. that why you had that Kev, you said you sent me a picture of that shirt. We have uh-huh. a few. Because we bought a few. Basically. Interesting. Planned Parenthood went public with it. Really? There Good was for a them. huge, huge pushback, huge response. One of the sponsors pulled out of it, like very, Yay. very quickly. And then Eventually, the woman, after had, having first, like, doubled down on it, mm-hmm. eventually publicly invited Planned Parenthood back. Ooh, and embarrassing. Was, said, we saw, we, we wanted to be neutral. The response was, thanks, but no thanks. We actually yeah. have a shop, a storefront. You know, they invited us in, so we're going to use that. <laughs> but a bunch of your, like, we're distributing signs and materials to a bunch of the vendors. Yes. yes. We're not going to pay you to be a presence there. We no. will just be invited as a guest by somebody else. And almost every other vendor will be sporting our We Support Planned Parenthood signs. So thank you. We won't be participating. And like a uh, bunch of people made pro choice, hun. Um, oh, I love it. Planned Parenthood <laughs> is healthcare, hun. Like, oh, so good. Yay, Baltimore. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it was actually much. really, yeah, they, really cute. But it was really cool to see the community kind of come together and be like, uh, this is wrong. And yeah, I'm sorry you somehow it. ended up in charge of this very like beloved community event, but um, kindly fuck off. Yes. Thank you. More or less. We went up there to patronize Planned Parenthood and support mm-hmm. them. And then afterwards we came back to our place and watched the episode of kitchen nightmares that oh. the person in question was a subject on because 
what? back in the day, there was a restaurant in the city of Baltimore called Cafe uh-huh. Hun, and uh-huh. it had a yep. giant flamingo, lawn flamingo mm. outside of it. And it was terrible, by yeah, the way. Awful. But it like was the bar was Baltimore. okay, but the food was yeah, not yeah, because worth they didn't eating. make the alcohol. I know that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it was a cute bar to like go have a drink in, but like yeah. don't eat the food. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. They were on the, kitchen uh, nightmares. So nice. they were on kitchen nightmares, and so we watched that afterwards, <laughs> and yeah, it was it. so it was fun. amazing. It was yeah, we hate I love it. that. So I'm just gonna say ditto to. What Big Library said about our weekend plans because I I did that exact same thing. Fair enough. You're yeah. Mowied. 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 Well, Miss, what did you get up to? What was your weekend? Like? Um, not a lot. There was no counter or regular protest involved, but um, girlfriend of the pod has had a root canal, <laughs> and oh, so she was feeling miserable so i went to philly yesterday and we just hung out and had some soup and did some stitching and watched tv so (laughs) miss i wish you would have told me i have a little nursey hat i could have sent to you (laughs) what i'm sorry what (laughs) miss i wish you would have told me because i do have a little nursey hat i could have sent you nursey hat oh is that from one of your (laughs) costumes Sir. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm so sorry I missed out on that opportunity. But no, not oh, but stitching. I'm so like, sorry I didn't about like, Amanda. Yeah, I didn't stitch up like her face. We did like cross. I do cross stitch. Yeah. <laughs> no. Was, and I, I assumed yeah. that you were like you know doing that and mending socks and wondering whether the mm. winter will be hard this year. You know. And- um. Yeah, I think that's exactly what we were doing. Except um, the two of us hate heat so we were mending socks in hope that the winter would be harsh this year Ah, yes. and getting just fitting our bonnets just right and really digging in to um i don't know books books (laughs) books and such okay i'll leave i'll just leave whatever (laughs) what is that tone no honestly we were reading we did spend some of that time reading because you know that's just what happened but yeah so that's That's what I did. We just hung out and it was really nice. And there was cake, which even better. And then today I put together a little spoopy tale for us to go through later. But before we do that, our guest of the hour has a little (laughs) true crime situation. That's right. We weren't just going to have him be on the pod and sit there and do nothing. He has to work for this. Gonna put your feet up and be a guest you gotta work okay <laughs> and right. i do have to say he was working very diligently on whatever story he's about to tell us yay it was very cute to watch him work on it and <laughs> kind of be excited, about it. okay you, <laughs> I that's, love it. we love that i'm excited uh, that you're excited i think it's great uh, we've never uh, had a guest well unless we counted edie but We've right? never had a guest before. You're yeah. our first non and Just so you know, co-host. I am not becoming a regular part of the pod. <laughs> oh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, neither did Edie. Depends on your audition today, but... Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> at any rate, happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. Happy Pride. So, it is Pride. So, I have come 
to tell you of some lovely little gay crimes Yay. that took place in our neck of the woods. Oh, really? What? Ooh, yes. Even better. Even yes. better. Oh, my God. So, like, I do a lot of research work and educating on, like, queer history in the area. And often what I'm coming up across are these, like, little sort of weird news blurbs mm-hmm. that happen, yeah. Yeah. like, yeah, yeah. in these newspapers. And they tell you of these peculiar people. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you not one, but two of those stories. Woohoo! Uh, Lucky whammy. Oh, yeah. wow, so you really did quite put enough on either of them to make one story. Yeah, anyway. uh, understood. <laughs> I've I've thought about doing the same thing with certain kinds of stories cuz like it's really exciting but then you get like two lines yes. on it and you're like come on. Come on. And you're like that's that's it. That's all there is. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> Worcester County on Maryland's <laughs> eastern shore. Mm-hmm. We know These her. Days, it's known for Ocean City, which mm-hmm. you know is mm-hmm. a ten mile long strip. It's got the hotels, boardwalks, artificial beaches. You go mm-hmm. there to take a vacation. You go there to oh, celebrate yes. Beach Week, which is a weird thing. No one else does that, but it's like a Maryland thing. We can tell you all about it. Oh, I know. So that's the type of place that Ocean City is. <laughs> It is, yes. but normally it's nighttime and they're vomiting for... Regardless birds. of your proclivities, you're just going to be barfing on the boardwalk. <laughs> well, before right the barfing place. on the boardwalk, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, before mm-hmm. all the shirts that could, like, sell you a picture of, like, stoned Rick and Morty. Female body <laughs> inspector shirts. Exactly. So, really, before Ocean City was, like, much of anything, mm-hmm. we're actually going to go to the nearby town of Pocomoke. In the okay, year cool. 1879, it's like a two, Ooh. three miles away. And at the time, that's sort of where people lived. So yes, the year 1879, in which the town was rocked by a very peculiar murder trial involving two young women. <gasps> no! Get women can't line. murder? Did we learn nothing from Lizzie Borden? Women know, can't murder. that's what I got from and that. they're too delicate. <laughs> Okay, so so while All the right. Eastern Shore had been getting less and less isolated at the time because of, you know, railroads and stuff, Pocomoke was still a really small community. It was like 1,400 people. And one of those 1,400 was 18-year-old Lillian Doerr. Lillian was smart and well-read. She had just graduated high school with honors and was studying medicine. She mm-hmm. was pretty. She was from a Which- good family. Yeah, probably a witch. She graduated high school, definitely a witch. Definitely okay, a witch. True. But yeah, she had raised eyebrows, though, uh, mm-hmm. around town for some of her stranger habits. She smoked. <gasps> she boxed. Oh. She chopped her hair short and wore pants. She was very outdoorsy. Oh. You're my hero. Oh. Ooh, what? And she was known for her marksmanship with her revolver. Which oh. she carried everywhere she went. Did she oh just get God. hot in here? What? I yeah. sure did, Miss. Oh my well, God! Miss did I turn off the herself. air conditioning? All of this made Lillian a bit of an outcast in the small sure. rural tr- town. Probably not the gun stuff. That's my guess. No, that was probably, probably pretty normal. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she wasn't alone there because she had Ella Hearn, who was also eighteen years old. And was her extremely close friend. Roommate. 
companion. <laughs> yeah. Now, if Lillian was making waves for being, like, really butch, Ella was doing mm-hmm. the opposite. She's described as the sort of soft-spoken, delicate flower that mm-hmm. women of the time were, like, expected to be. Now, like Lillian, her family was well-established and wealthy. And although Lillian's habits were, like, definitely concerning to her family, they knew mm-hmm. that the two of them were inseparable, and they really thought none of it. They said, well, of course they were close. They were roommates together at an all-girls boarding school. Stop Not it! To there. Stop Stop this. Stop We caught them kissing on multiple occasions. They were just such good friends. Of course! They were very into oral hygiene. <laughs> but, um, unfortunately, trouble had been brewing for some time. Mm. Right here in River City. year, the two's extremely close friendship had started Uh to unravel. Oh, no. Uh I know. I know. All things come to an end, you know. Can't have good things. But uh, Ella was growing more distant, and Lillian was getting more and more, like, concerned, trying to keep things going. Possessive. Yeah. She started getting upset. Even worse, she started to suspect that there was another woman named Ella Foster. All right. Can I just say, this is yeah. 18, what? 70? 78. And there, in this town of 1400, there is not one, not two, but three lesbians? Okay. You've always said you're living in the wrong time, miss. I know. I, I know. always have said this. But also, you genuinely would not survive 1870. No, God, no. I would have been dead at 18, <laughs> max, if I made it. This medical mutant's not lasting long any other time. No way in hell. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, well, Lillian began to suspect and fear that Ella Foster and Ella Hearn oh my were, God. in fact, becoming <gasps> the bestest of friends. No. Uh-uh. And yeah. they're both named Ella. How do you compete with See, that? I know. <gasps> I know. Sorry, girl. We share the same name. There's actually a lot of L's in this story. It's Lily and Ella and Ella so far. <laughs> uh, that's a lot of L's. It's a lot. A lot of L's. It's a lot. But, so you know. Lillian started calling on Ella more and more. But Ella kept on getting a little more distant. Hmm. Lillian responded by frequently kissing her and professing her love for her. You know, like you do for your very close platonic friend and roommate. <laughs> Desperado. They were um, Desperado. <laughs> Anyways, all of this boiled over in October 1878. As she was wont to do, Lillian dropped by the Hearn house and asked Ella to go out on a walk through the woods with her to collect... Tea berries. Super gay, innocent. Gay and innocent and, very and not yeah. at all premeditated. Also, what the hell is a tea berry? I don't know. <laughs> Some gay shit from the 1880s, I guess. I know. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what was gay lingo back then. Yeah, go gather the tea We're berries. making out. We're going to go collect tea berries. <laughs> <laughs> well, as they were collecting them, an argument broke out. Ella started to walk off. Lillian cried for her to lead up. And then Ella heard three loud bangs. She stopped and turned around and saw Lillian approaching with her pistol. Okay. Yeah, I know. It's all super normal so far. 
super normal and not panic-inducing. Yeah. Well, when she got up to her, Ella quickly grabbed the pistol away and asked, were you trying to shoot me? And of course not, Lillian said. What is this behavior? Yeah. Hmm. Said, no, I only intended to frighten you so you would wait for me. With three shots. Yeah, just one wouldn't frighten enough. You might slow <laughs> no, down. Okay. You wouldn't stop. Okay. I smell All right. a stunt. I do too, because wasn't she like Miss Sharpshooter? Miss I Annie know. Oakley? All right. Well, after that, Ella made the wise choice not to go out on walks with Lillian anymore. Uh, <laughs> Good on you. Good on you, girl. Great call. Yeah. Well, that didn't stop Lillian from trying, though. A few weeks later, Lillian again asks Ella to accompany her through the woods the next day, unknown if they're gathering tea berries. Shame on me. Yeah. <laughs> Once, shame on you. Twice, shame on me. What are we doing yes. here? Those fucking tea berries must be delicious as hell. Yep. I said it once. I'll say it a thousand times. Stay out of the woods. Nothing good's <laughs> happening in there. Mm-mm. Well, the next day... Lillian does come by, says, come out, go through the woods with me. Ella is at the sewing machine doing her stitching. That's what we do. Of Listen. course, of course. Ladies of a certain persuasion love needlework. What can we say? <laughs> exactly. And that's what Ella said, too. She was like, I'm you sure don't disturb me from my <laughs> stitching, okay? Absolutely. Things started to get heated. Ella's mother said, uh, Ella, why don't you bring Lillian out the door? which she does. And she says, okay. do not come back. Don't come back anymore. And she goes inside. Clear. But Lillian didn't want things to end like that. Okay. I don't know. Sounds, this has got toxic masculinity written all over it, and yes. I'm not here toxic for it. Toxic masculinity <laughs> strikes again. So shortly afterwards, the door opened again, and Lillian marched right back in. Mm, this is she, not your house. She walked up to Ella and demanded she take back what she had said outside. Ella, she went in to kiss Ella, but Ella pushed her back hard enough that uh-huh. she fell down. Good. Said, you need oh. to leave. Lillian okay. stood up, looked Ella in the eye and asked, tell me, do you love Ella Foster more than you love me? Are her parents just, like, in the house? Yes. They're and they're just, like, chill? I don't know. They're sipping their okay. tea. They're, I, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just, like, like you know, Yeah, just, like, drinking their latest, like, morphine tonic or whatever. You know, <laughs> yeah. Cocaine soothers. Yep, <laughs> yes. exactly. <laughs> oh, what a time. So, yes. Tell me, do you love Ella Foster more than you love me? girl you knew the answer why did you ask the question yeah don't ask the question you took a step back raised her pistol and said repeat that and i'll kill you oh my gosh now we don't know exactly how ella replied but shortly after she did a shot rang out in the hern household Oh Random. I know, crazy, right? What happened? Like, a, like it was just to scare her, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> the family rushed to see what had happened. Ella was alive, 
but she was painfully hurt. Oh. The bullet had oh. grazed her hand and hit her lower jaw. Dang, not a, ugh. Yeah. At okay. first, the wound seemed like non-life-threatening. Mm-hmm. Like it was painful. Doctors prescribed a chloral hydrate, which was an anesthetic and sedative to keep okay. her calm. And okay. she received visitors, talked with them about what had happened. She even received oh. a Lillian at one point. <gasps> Bitch. Can't, what? She is obsessed. Yeah. Well, she asked Lillian if she would apologize for what she did. Uh-huh. And Lillian did. At which point oh. Ella exclaimed, Oh, Lil, that means you didn't mean to do it, did you? That is a <laughs> No, joke. Ella! Ella! <laughs> Girl, read the room! Girl, she literally <laughs> tried there. to kill you after saying she was going to kill you. We were 18. Okay, to be fair, we're 18. And yeah, that's a good point. Doesn't... Yep. Yep. Does, wow. <laughs> She tried to kill you, and you're only alive because she's bad at it. Yep. <laughs> but she thought things were going to get better. Eternal optimist. She said she thought the whole thing was an accident and asked her father not to press charges. Uh, but as time went on, Ella's pain got worse, as did her mental state. Infection. Doctors didn't know what to do. They increased the chloral just to ease the pain, but things were deteriorating. Yeah. Moreover, when she was lucid, she started telling people some of the more troubling aspects of her recent experiences with Lillian, such as the time she was shot at in October. Before she was shot in the jaw in her home. Yes. At other times, she would become delirious. She had a hard time recognizing friends and family. However, when Lillian tried to visit a second time, she began screaming screaming that she was going to get shot again and wouldn't stop screaming until Lillian had left. Well, at least Uh her subconscious was aware of the danger. (laughs) Yes. Things continued to get worse for Ella, and one month and one day after being shot, Ella Hearn passed away. The coroners agreed the death was because the shock and pain of the shooting has caused her delicate nervous system oh, to slowly on. shut down and fail. Like she a little probably had a, She probably had a good old-fashioned 1878 infection. Yeah. And fever. And she okay. probably was doing it with less medicine than they were giving the men that were probably in that same area because she's a fucking woman. Women, yeah. women don't need pain medicine. We deserve it. Remember Adam mm. and Eve? Mm. Yeah. So... We literally deserve it. <laughs> a day later, uh-huh. Lillian Dewar was arrested and charged with murder. Her oh, trial was set good. for the following uh-huh. night. Okay. Now, as the trial approached... I'm sorry, did you say her trial was set for the following night? May. May. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was like, I know things move faster, but that's pretty yeah. fast. Yeah. Not night that court. Well, as the trial approached... News started trickling out of Pocomo and towards the curious hands of journalists, started attracting more and more attention as far away as Ohio, New Orleans, Atlanta. When the trial started in May, reporters from the Baltimore Sun, Washington Post, New York Times, and others were sent to the Worcester County Courthouse to cover the trial. Well, she these crazy platonic friends out here. Yeah, these really, really good friends. Platonic friends. 
and, and generally the like these early reports like the pre-trial stuff mm-hmm. focus more on you know Lillian's uh curiosities they wanted mm-hmm. it to be like a morality tale of a good girl gone bad and they wanted yeah, to I know mean, what kind of bad it would be that's what they did with Lizzie Borden too that tracks yeah well and specifically because Lillian was young white pretty and from a wealthy family they yeah. actually were kind of perplexed as to what was going on here pretty clear Pretty clear. Well, hindsight. Well, they did have some theories, which I'm about to tell you. Please tell me. I'm so excited. (laughs) Okay, the first was, the problem was her reading habits. Of course. Yes. Yes. She had read too many immoral books, too many romance novels. Oh, God, those will get you. Especially too much of the scandalous poetry of Lord Byron, who wrote Don Juan. Yeah, he was a noted (laughs) bisexual playboy, uh, and mm-hmm. noted womanizer of the time. Will actually be mentioned in my story later. Weird. Briefly. Well, Briefly. the so. argument was she wanted to be more like her idol, Lord Byron. And part of that was to emulate his character's masculine opportunities for passion and excitement. Because women do not feel passion Any nor excitement. explanation uh-huh. to explain what the actions were besides the blatantly obvious. Yes. Okay. No, she wanted to impersonate Lord Byron. Yes. <laughs> Next, she'll say she was just an hysterical woman. Well, no, the second theory is, is more simple, though. Mm. To quote the Cincinnati commercial, Good. she studied medicine and hated men. Whether she mm. studied medicine because she hated men yeah. or hated men because she studied medicine is not yet quite clear. Why are you making a correlation here? Uh, I don't know, but I love it, and I want it on a (laughs) t-shirt. I I read that, I was like, what? Do you understand? Even if I wasn't a medical mutant or a lesbian at this time, I would still be Mm -hmm. burned as a witch because I like to read books. She studied books. Yes. Science books. Yeah, and that's really what it was. Is like everything everyone agreed that like she was too smart. She was she was too intellectual, read too much and really don't allow your girls to, you know, you want them to be smart but not too smart. Hey, I'm in, living in, proof. Indeed. Right here, bitches. Don't <laughs> let your daughters become like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, at any rate, the trial once it started the narrative started to change a bit. Rather than contradict the major facts of the case, Lillian's defense lawyer instead started asking Ella's caretakers and doctors how much chloral hydrate exactly was being administered to her. Okay, uh-huh. I will say, on like, with the hat of a defense attorney on, this is a good angle. This is well, a good angle. Okay, all because right. Because many of them conceded they weren't really sure or didn't have an exact measure. They said, uh, you know, like, I used this. Spirit. A gallon an hour. <laughs> you know, she, she, we felt like she was in Three leeches worth. This doing much, whatever. Three well, leeches. they subpoenaed the, the local pharmacist to mm-hmm. come in and bring receipts, right? How much was being okay. sold to the Hearns. It was actually a very large amount. The state, in turn, called in six medical experts to state they safely used chloral hydrate in their practice. Mm-hmm. But on cross-examination, each acknowledged that the effects of chloral hydrate on the body weren't entirely known, that it could probably be dangerous in high quantities, 
and that none of them had prescribed it for more than a week or two, let alone a month. Oh, so how are we getting a month of... Yeah. Interesting. I will say, I've turned my cap from, like, lesbian love story to, like, defense lawyer and i'm just yeah this is the part where it gets like interesting right yeah no this is a good legal argument very quickly the the question became less about what happened on november 5th and much Mm -hmm. more about the month that followed redirection yeah this is actually like she had a great legal team confessions made by her by ella hearn on her deathbed were challenged uh, inconsistencies mm. were frequently pointed out, and it was made a point that she was delirious for much of her time in, yeah. while on her mm. deathbed. Um, yeah. Questions about how much chloral hydrate was administered, when, and by whom introduced like real doubts about what was the cause of her death. Um, yeah. By the end of the Not trial, negating the fact that she was still shot. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, um, okay. What By the end of the trial, though, even the state's attorney was making statements acknowledging that they will not be able to convict on a murder charge. Yeah, that's honestly smart. Take murder off the table. Involuntary manslaughter, maybe. The jury did, in fact, find Lillian not guilty of murder, but mm. guilty of manslaughter, and yeah. asked the judge to give a lenient sentence. The, the jury? Judge, the jury did. Yes, he did. Uh, he ordered no prison time. What? But a five hundred dollar fine. Wow, boy! Which is fifteen thousand in today's dollars. I mean, not a little bit of money, but you murdered your You're girlfriend. Manageable enough. Yeah, you did kill your girlfriend. At like point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I have to say, I think being from a wealthy family in a very rural area has certain like benefits yes it does <laughs> i believe the alex murdoch case just concluded yes yeah right so her fine was paid immediately but it seemed that many oh. in and around the courthouse were actually sad to see that lillian had been convicted of anything at all and the thing is there's a part of this they're probably right by the mid-20th century chloral hydrate had fallen out of favor as okay. people learned that anything beyond short-term use can lead to serious liver, kidney, or heart problems, and that in high doses, it can cause delirium. So she uh-huh. really didn't cause her, like she shot her, obviously, she but she really her, but, but it's probably really didn't clear. cause her death. Yeah, the doctors How? probably caused her death. Wow. Um, and Interesting. So, like, everyone was reacting to this, right? Listen, I just shot her. She would have lived if you wouldn't have fucking poisoned her. We call this a superseding cause in the law. Ooh, that sounds (laughs) like we'll never know if she survived that gun wound or not. Yeah. Afterwards, there were like very few articles written afterwards, but one was really Mm -hmm. funny. Basically said, now that that we knew that she wasn't a murderer, it's very Mm. clear. She was just a kooky, eccentric girl who was playing a fun game with her best friend, and it turned tragically fatal. (laughs) (laughs) No woman could possibly have committed such a crime. They were as a woman. I am so offended. (laughs) Of course, I can murder you so hard you wouldn't even know. 
the irony being, yeah, that Jesus women Christ. murder so much better. That's, and that's the story of Lillian All Gore right. and I love it. Ella Hearn. Lillian, Ella, and Ella. Man. Yeah. Just passionate Actually, roommates. a quick thing. They did try to subpoena Ella Foster, and she went uh-huh. off the grid. Good. <laughs> they probably sent her to a convent or something. <laughs> I, I mean, like, I'm like, it's 1878. If I was, like subpoenaed to talk about like my lesbian affair i probably uh-huh. oh absolutely <laughs> i'm gonna go get the milk i'll be right back yeah, i'll be going right to back. ocean city for a week yeah <laughs> beach week well, this next one's a little shorter it's actually something you'll find if you look up lillian door and ella hearn oh. the next time they come up are in these comparisons that get made about this crime that happens just south of the state line, okay. still on the eastern shore in Craddockville, Virginia. Okay. All of these articles say this reminds us of the Doer-Hearn story of a few years ago. Affair. Yes. So so Craddockville is like, if Pocomoke is a small town, it's tiny. It's like a few okay. dozen homes. Mm-hmm. And, and there lived one, Andrew Ashmead, 24 years old. Andrew was a tailor. And much like Lillian was known for his peculiar habits. He was said <laughs> to be... always one. In what way? He was said to be, and I love this quote, very fastidious in his dress among men. Okay. <laughs> so he put on his best pants for his men. Specifically and, notes mm-hmm. that he had a very fancy coat that at all times, if in the presence of a man... You would try to wear. Okay, is this some <laughs> is this some signaling? Are we putting hankies in our back no. pockets? Yeah, it's pre hanky. <laughs> I love it. It's just this is this is my fancy men coat. Yeah. Look at my coat. Is- Only men can see it and appreciate it. <laughs> he had sent love letters to several men around town, and was occasionally. Okay, they're known. such good friends. I know. You gotta make your own phone around now. <laughs> and was known to occasionally wear dresses. <gasps> I know. Also, uh, articles note that he found a little shack in the woods that he had Come fixed on. up in nice style. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Where he could a fuck shack. He could be by himself, <laughs> cook, and make his own clothes. Which I bet he was. Oh, that's me. <laughs> this, that's all I want to do. Was, was a home was like a house flipper. Like over 130 He's years gentrifying ago. Gentrifying those woods. Yes, exactly. Single handedly <laughs> up in that woods' property value. That's right. That property value just shot up. Well, it was said that Andrew was quite attentive to mm. several of the other young men of Craddockville. Um, but just wanted no. to make sure they looked well, were dressed yeah, their best. Course. But none so much as 21 year old John Kellum. And the Kellums were one of the wealthier and more powerful families in the area. But John's mother was a widow, and neither Mm. he nor his mother nor his older brother Toby were particularly well off. Still, the name was important enough that journalists were, like, tripping over themselves to justify John and Andrew's relationship as John humoring Andrew and only pretending to be into it as an elaborate joke. 
Honey, any you don't suck dick as a joke. Okay. Well, you know, you... but there were... It's a very, very long joke with a very, very big payoff. Cute. Cute. <laughs> well, as part of this uh, joke, one night he played a clever hoax where he took one a, a, a walk with Andrew through the woods and proposed marriage to him. That's hysterical. I've never heard anything funnier. It's so funny. <laughs> what a joke. Oh, that's actually really sweet. Good for them. I know. Andrew accepted. <laughs> and they set a date and invited their friends. What? I guess that's a joke. What an of course, elaborate just as a joke. joke. These two. They're the funniest friends everyone knows. They are hysterical. They're so random. Yeah. Well, the Kellums had a terrible sense of humor. They were um. not fans of the marriage or of Andrew. Somebody can't take a joke. I know. Toby had said that if Andrew set foot on his property, he would kill him. Oh, okay. You know. Funny. Hilarious. So when John asked Andrew to take a nice walk with him through the woods to Toby's place, Andrew was maybe a bit on guard, but he said he'd go to the gates and no further. These, these people. Oh, you've been Look, threatened with murder. In like 90s or 70s and yeah. 80s in like the Eastern Shore. They're not that yeah. smart. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, as they were walking, they naturally discussed the details of their upcoming wedding. Okay. And of course, the question came up what was the bride going to wear? I mean, seriously. Of course. And Andrew obviously knew he would only be married wearing a high necked dress. In bright red. This is actually like spelled out in news oh, reports. Beautiful. Gorgeous. Beautiful. Hot. Uh, it's regal. It's, it's red. It's going to get it's your attention. Lush. I think the work is going to be yes. impeccable. Yes. Oh. Well, John, though, was actually a little not into that. And he oh. insisted that Andrew wear a dress of a more demure green oh. as was the fashion <laughs> okay. of the time. Are you okay, mad? so it's not the dress. It's the color. No. I, yes. Okay, I respect that. Okay, yes. all right. I mean, it wasn't the dress. It was just the color. Uh, conversation enough. did grow a little heated. Neither were budging. And so John did what anyone would do when discussing wedding fashions and took out his gun and threatened to shoot Andrew unless he gave in. That is true. This yep. is, that is how true. big library. Remember when mm-hmm. we were planning our wedding? I mean, who hasn't? Like, I, who, who doesn't? hasn't like brandished a firearm at their partner when planning? We've their gotten wedding? two steps into a duel, and then one uh-huh. of us were like, "All right, fine." All and right, that's fine. what love means. It is. is. It means ending is. the duel without bloodshed. Well, <laughs> that's okay. not how they did it. Because <laughs> oh, terrible. Andrew was not actually intimidated. He turned around. He drew his pistol and insisted that John give in or he would shoot. <laughs> this is the I am this is incredible. Living. A standoff going on in the woods. You think you're gonna tell me what color dress I'm going to wear? Yeah. Got another thing coming. Don't fuck with me, fellas. <laughs> this is right. my first time at the rodeo. Um, <laughs> at any rate, each each one claimed the other shot first. Obviously. By the end of the walk. John had been shot in the arm, while Andrew had been shot twice, once in the leg and once in the side. Mm. They were evidently embarrassed and tried to keep the matter hush-hush. I mean, dramatic. 
like to be fair, they should be a little embarrassed. It is a tad dramatic. <laughs> well, they tried to keep it hush hush. Their Except one was noticed. shot in the side. Yeah, their families <laughs> noticed the next morning when they were drenched in blood. Like, uh huh. <laughs> interesting, interesting. I don't want to pry, but you seem, you both seem a little gray and to be no. actively bleeding. Everything okay? <laughs> so, neighbors and friends were unsure about how to make sense of the shooting. Some claimed that John called off the wedding, and Andrew grew so upset that he went into a murderous rage. Mm. I'm sure you can relate, Kevin. Others sure. claimed John had wanted to call things off, but seeing how insistent Andrew was, decided it would be better to shoot him. Evidently, yeah. according yeah. to one article, was the favored theory. I guess they didn't Gosh. like John very much. At any rate, they're just theories. Once the boys were brought before a judge, neither would testify against the other, and no charges were filed. Oh, so they both survived? Yep. Excellent. No harm, no foul. Yeah, exactly. No harm, no foul. <laughs> Let's get married. All of these theories assumed that Callum, who was like more respectable, was trying to end things with Andrew, were wrong. As soon as they were over at things were over at the courthouse, the two shook hands, embraced each other, went arm in arm to the nearest bar, where they proceeded to get drunk before leaving together. Love when these love messy love. ass bitches. They I are know. so messy. Oh my god. I, no. Just a lover spat. So after that, uh -huh. there's like nothing more written about like the shooting or about Fair. Ashmead's like queer habits or whatever. But that's not the end of the story. Oh, give it to me. Because neither John nor Andrew ever married. Whoop. John lived with his brother's family uh -huh. and across several moves. Andrew always lived very nearby. Interesting. And when John died in 1920 at the age mm -hmm. of 53, Andrew, uh -huh. who was not wealthy, put an in memoriam <gasps> piece in the oh. local paper for his good friend. Yeah. In, oh, in that's it. Sweet. Oh, just in wait, Kevin. Because in it, he calls John my treasure. He says he will wait until they are reunited in heaven and ends by saying, I miss your pleasant smiles. I miss your kind and pleasant voice that I never more on earth will hear. I miss you all the way through this lonely life. In death you are thought of by one who deeply feels your loss. So this was Aww, a love really letter. Sad. It was a love for, letter. For 33 years afterwards, Andrew and John had kept up their love for each other. A love strong enough to survive multiple gunshot wounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, love heals all wounds, right? No, that's time. I love that story, though. I love that story. Holy shit, me too. The drama of it all. It's just the pressures of planning a wedding. It's I too know. much. I know. It's too much. They got homicidal, but they forgave yeah. each other because it's real love. True yeah. love. But, but there you have it, uh, the, the, the stories of Lillian Doerr, Ella Hearn, John Kellum, and Andrew Ashmead. They were queers who lived actually really openly 
like yes, over 130 years ago in this like really rural isolated part of the mid-atlantic they were wait 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 wait. are you trying to tell me that queer people existed in those parts no no i no, know no, no. and the internet wasn't even that's not what i was told i know they were young they were messy they definitely shouldn't have had access to firearms. No, 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 no. <laughs> Let that be the uh, PSA. <laughs> yes. Did they not read Romeo and Juliet? Like, kids can't right. be trusted. <laughs> yes. No, kids cannot be trusted with weapons or hearts. Yes. <laughs> Big library. Thank you so much. My, that my was true perfect. I, Bringing I us. love it. Y'all, please don't shoot each other. I know we're already yes. past the wedding, past the first anniversary but we mm-hmm, don't know mm-hmm. what's coming keep firearms out of it <laughs> i promise nothing but no. i do want to commend <laughs> big library mm-hmm. for bringing these beautiful stories because not only are these stories appropriate for pride month but it doesn't sound like they're stories that you could just google about right uh i don't think so i think the lillian Dur ella hearn ones i've i've seen one online like blog post about it but I think that's it. Excellent. Where did you happen to then procure all this information? Why, I happened to find it at the public library. What's that? Where we have all sorts of great databases and microfilms and research <laughs> things. And I'm, I don't know. But I can Microfish. I do it at the library. And I'm a librarian. And I love doing it. Love it. God. It was great. You did a great job, Library. Thank you so, job, so babe. much. Yeah. Hold on. Let me just call Edie and tell her that they're out of a job. Hold on. What's yeah. Up? Sorry. Okay. Sorry, Edie. He really aced this audition and you're out. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it. So funny enough, without the crime, our stories are going to be pretty similar. Yay. Uh-huh. But it's going to be even older. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Miss, bring us the spoop. For episode 78. Okay, y'all. I hope you're ready for a similar yet less gunplay kind of story. All right. So, Eleanor Butler was born in 1739, and she was an Irish aristocrat. And her family were earls and dukes of Ormond. She grew up in Kilkenny Castle and was considered to be an overeducated bookworm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sarah Ponsonby, born in 1755, was orphaned at a young age, but was raised by her aristocratic family members in County Kilkenny, Ireland. Though they lived 15 miles apart, they met in 1768 and immediately became very close. Eleanor was 29 at the time and given an ultimatum by her family, a politically advantageous marriage or the covenant. She was, after all, old as hell. Sarah, meanwhile, was... <laughs> Sarah, meanwhile, was busy fending off the unwanted advances by her cousin and legal guardian, Sir William Founds. Yeah, super fun and gross. On March 30th, 1778, Sarah, 23, dressed as a man, grabbed her little dog, Frisk, and stole a pistol and climbed out the window of her bedroom to meet Eleanor, who was also dressed as a man. As they were absconding, however, they 
were met by Found's men who caught up with them before they could reach the boat, and they were both returned to their families, like the property they were. Nonetheless, in May 1778, two months later, they tried again and managed to escape capture and sailed to Southwest Wales. Okay. And eventually ended up in Clangothan area of Wales, and they acquired a lease for a five-bedroom cottage overlooking the town. Sarah's servant, Mary Carroll, a.k.a. Mary the Bruiser, uh, joined them shortly after they settled, and she lived and worked with them for the rest of her life. The cottage became their home, and they settled and lived there for the next 50 years until their death. It is said our ladies still reside at their home to this day. After moving in, these roommates got to work and began making improvements. They added an extensive library, ornamental gardens, carved oak decorations, pointed arches, all very gothic. Very double gay. The residence eventually became known as Place Nouette, New House or New Mansion. In town, they were mostly well-regarded, if not considered a bit eccentric hmm there's that word again Mm -hmm. Mm. isn't that interesting they wore men's dark riding clothes cropped powdered hair a masculine look they also had a habit of wearing tall black beaver hats and refused sure fucking did they love them beaver hats (laughs) they really did they rarely, if ever, left their home for longer than one night, though they often had many visitors, and they quickly became known as the Ladies of Clangothan. Their home was on the main road between London and Holyhead. They had a lot of high-profile visitors, including the Duke of Wellington. They also had famous poets, Percy Shelley, Sir Walter Scott, and William Wordsworth (laughs) stopped by for tea on many occasions. In fact, in 1824, William Wordsworth wrote a poem about the ladies. And I will recite that. Oh, yes. A stream to mingle with your favorite dee along the veil of meditation flows. So styled by those fierce Britons, pleased to see in nature's face the expression of repose, or haply there be some pious hermit chose to live and die, the peace of heaven his aim. To whom the wild sequestered region owes, at this late day its sanctifying name, the veil of friendship let this spot be named, where faithful to a low-roofed cot on Deva's banks, ye have abode so long, sisters in love, a love allowed to climb, even on this earth above the reach of time. Oh, that even sounds, oh, yes. yes. Hail to the watchtowers of the north, too. Like, like it just mm-hmm. gives me uh, some witty vibes. It is. It's very nice. Uh, they had all kinds of crazy visitors. Lord Byron was said to be a friend. They would write letters often. And in one, he detailed a serious crush that he had on a choir boy in town. Paranormal investigators visited Place Nued and held a seance. And they said they met Sarah and Eleanor. Sarah apparently came and gently shook their table to let her presence be known. 
Eleanor, however, spun the table so fiercely it was spinning on one leg. Quote, our guests who had their hands on the table nearly fell over each other as they raced around in circles trying to follow the out-of-control table. Nothing like this has ever been experienced by us before. It was a frightening place to be, and two guests left as early as they could, too afraid to stay a minute longer. Those scary lesbians. Mm-hmm. That's right. Most believe our ladies just like giving a good show. <laughs> <laughs> the security guard at the time was an utter skeptic and denied this happened, but did say that the security alarms went off very often with no cause. So there, explain that. Lesbians love rewiring things. They do. Yes. They do. Yeah. yeah. Always curious. Many visitors have reported extreme cold spots all over the house and invisible grabby hands and loud echoing footsteps. Okay. Just, eh, 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 just coming for you. Watch yeah. out. Watch out. It's Maggie the Bruiser. <laughs> gotcha. When you walk into the house, it is said that the feeling is so heavily oppressive that you need to leave immediately. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Mary Gordon wrote about her experience in the 1930s. She was a student of Carl Jung and is said that she had a dream. She visited the home and spoke with the ladies. Mm -hmm. After telling Carl, he encouraged her to visit the house after hearing the other accounts of hauntings. One winter night, Mary allegedly broke into the home via the library where the ladies were minding their own business and apparently had conversations with them. She said she knew it was them because she could see them clearly, though there was a sort of ethereal veil about them. And it is said that every Christmas Eve, they make an appearance, but oddly enough on this day, they are only seen by men. Women have never reported seeing the ghosts on Christmas Eve. I don't know. I don't know. Eleanor kept voluminous and detailed diaries. One entry from September 22nd, 1785 made me particularly jealous. And it says, up at seven, dark morning, all mountains enveloped in mist, thick rain, a fire in the library, delightfully comfortable, breakfast at half eight, from nine till one, writing, my beloved drawing Pembroke Castle, from one to three, read to her. After dinner, went hastily around the gardens, reigned without interruption the entire day. From four to ten, reading to my Sally, she, drawing till ten to eleven, sat over the fire and conversing with my beloved. A silent, happy day. It just oh, sounds so lovely. fucking nice. Their books and glassware were monogrammed with both sets of their initials, and their letters were always jointly signed. They referred to each other most often as beloved or B for short, but often peppered in my sweet love or the darling of my heart. And they were also said to have a, su a succession of dogs named Sappho. Okay. Despite all now. this, historians continue to dispute the nature of their relationship. Sure do. Some say they represented, quote, 
romantic female friendships, which were apparently common all over 18th century Europe. Women often spent most of their time in each other's company while men were out doing man things and developed these intense friendships. It's said that lady friends would write to each other using passionate romantic language that to most readers would suggest a sexual relationship, but don't worry, they weren't. These relationships were also also referred to as Boston marriages. Mm-hmm. Honestly, there's nothing here that doesn't sound gay as hell, but I am yep. not a straight historian, so I couldn't possibly understand history properly. Uh-huh. Others point to the fact that contemporary Anne Lister also kept detailed diaries, but included her various lesbian escapades. So because the ladies didn't detail their sexploits, they couldn't possibly have been in a relationship. Absolutely. Anne herself visited the ladies in 1822 and wrote, quote, I cannot help thinking that it surely was not platonic. Heaven forgive me, but I look within myself in doubt. I feel the infirmity of our nature and hesitate to pronounce such attachments uncemented by something more tender still than friendship. Because they were together. Yeah. Honestly, whether or not their relationship was sexual doesn't matter. It doesn't mean it wasn't romantic and it doesn't mean they weren't in love. I think a lot of people have a hard time comprehending the spectrum of asexuality on its own. Everybody seems there's a baseline normality for everything. So queer people are queer because there is a presumption of heterosexuality. Asexual people are asexual because there is a presumption of sexuality. Mm -hmm. Regardless whether they were fucking or not, it's clear our ladies loved each other deeply and devoted their entire lives at the risk of disownment or death if their relationship was to be determined to be sexual. Um, And that's what matters. And after 50 long years together, Eleanor died in 1829 at 90 years old, and Sarah followed two years later at 76. Before their death, their faithful servant, Mary Carroll, died and left them a considerable amount of land, which started new rumors. Three unmarried living together for 50 years, then willing property to each other at death. It's a little suspicious. Even more so, considering that they are all buried together under a single memorial. Oh. So this might have been a little three-way, like a little, a little throuple, or a little Polly, or they, or Mary could have very. I mean, her name was Mary the Bruiser. Like then, Ooh, come on now. There are connotations now. involved even now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just can't get over reading parts of the diary and all of this and still having people question the nature of their relationship. Oh, yeah. Even today, you can have two women kiss and they'll just be like, oh, they're such good friends. They're such good friends. No, no. Sure. Is it true that straight women are can be very close and can kiss or whatever? Absolutely. Right. Whatever. Yeah. Your friendships are your friendships, but just because you haven't seen them fuck doesn't mean it's platonic. Like, what is, it just blows my mind. And even if they don't fuck, it doesn't mean that they're any less of in a romantic relationship. Right. Yeah, no, they were clearly each other's primary romantic partners. Absolutely. Right? They devoted their entire lives. They gave, They were both aristocrats. They gave up incredibly cushy lives just for each other 
anyway, it's important to note that the straight washing of history is ever going, but hopefully we can uncover it a little bit at a time. Oh, yes. Hopefully. Hopefully. And that is the story of our haunted ladies, Eleanor Butler and Sarah Ponsonby. Wow. Thank you, miss. Is is Maggie the Bruiser also haunting it or just the two of them? Mary the Bruiser. And I have, no, Mary the Bruiser would really like, they were really good about you just randomly showed up for a visit. Oh, okay. But you were always met by Mary. And if Mary thought you were just a looky-loo, just trying to get some dirt on the eccentric ladies, that's why she was called Mary the Bruiser, because she was like, you shall not pass, Ah, essentially. I love it. I mean, she was like their, they call her a servant, but it sounds like she did work for them, but they were just very close. I mean, I don't know of any like, house cleaner or maid or whatever who would follow their employer to a different country just to live alone with them in a secluded area you really gotta think about that i mean sure it's certainly possible but probably probably unlikely um probably she didn't get the ghost treatment yeah no yeah it doesn't she doesn't get the ghost treatment again like it's like when you like Google it, you'll like you Google the the house and it's like the most haunted house in Wales. But there's so little about the actual haunting. It's so weird. Yeah. All we know is that they're handsy. Yeah. No, they're handsy and they make the place real cold and there's like loud stomping and there's like a heavy, oppressive, ghosty feel, which cool. Mm. That's why I was like, oh, this backstory is great. And then I was like, wait, <laughs> Wait, there's, there's no, there. there. This, <laughs> I was like, wait, this is supposed to be a spoopy story, not just a profile of some ladies. Like, I gotta yeah, find like, something. <laughs> the sapphic ruffle. Yeah. Of mine. Yeah, the dogs, a succession of dogs named Sappho. Oh my yeah. God. Man, well, I appreciate you bringing that story, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's always good to find Welsh, lesbianic, mm-hmm. witchy uh, yes. lovers. Yeah, always just Definitely. have in your back pocket. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. those. I think it's safe to say that all lesbians are witches, mm-hmm. okay, with sure. or without guns. So, okay, yeah, but you did well. <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah, it was great. And, no, thank and, you, and thank you, Big Library, for, yes. for stepping in and telling mm-hmm. us the stories and going beyond. How did you feel about it? Oh, I felt great. Yay! Oh, I did great. Did Y'all great. were okay. I have notes. <laughs> wow. We'll okay, talk Edie, you're back in. Back yeah, in Edie's with Edie. In. <laughs> he is no longer our honored guest. Get out. Dishonored no. <laughs> guest. Yeah. Dishonored guest. Yeah. <laughs> no, big uh, library. You're welcome at any time. You did know. <laughs> but but miss, um, actually, if we want people to tell us whether or not Big Library can mm-hmm. ever come back on the show or not, where sure. can they find us? Well, you can find us on our Instagram at Creepy Inquiries Pod. You could hit us up there. Mm-hmm. You could also send us an email at creepyinquiriespod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. If you are ever interested in our sources, you can go to our website at creepyinquiriespod.com. And um, if you have a minute, um, please give us a cute little rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. It helps us a bunch. Five stars or Mm -hmm. I will become 
your 50 years long live-in servant lover. Ooh, we don't want Kevin the Bruiser. And you to don't get want you. that. I am a yeah. nightmare to live with. We don't want Kevin the Bruiser. I am a nightmare. Mm-hmm. So just give us five <laughs> stars, folks. You're telling me. <laughs> ah, God, I thought I muted his mic. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, everybody, for tuning in on the 78th episode, the Midnight Train to Georgia Gladys Knight's Age oh, episode. Very good. Excellent save yep. for the I end. I curse galore. Yeah. Alright, until next time. Good. Yeah.